You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. So today I want to get to uh, several different questions and whatnot. Obviously, several of them are about Mr. Jared Valdir, um, guy that helped us out last year. He was, I don't want to say a big addition, but um, based on the reactions of Packer fans, sounds like a massive addition. <laughs> I think, uh, surprisingly... If I had to gauge it, I'd say people are much more excited about Valdir than they are about Snacks Harrison. I don't know if it's just because people have been banging the table for him for so long or what exactly it is, but um, yeah, I, I, if I were to parrot what several people have said already, this there's no question the Packers are in all-in mode. And to be honest, this, this is sort of the potential problem. If we don't win a Super Bowl and we still feel the pain of all these all-in moves, that's the problem. The best-case scenario is we win a Super Bowl and then still endure some pain and hopefully come through on the other side okay. Um, The alternative would be to not go all-in, hope that we could figure it out anyways without, you know, Zadarius and Billy Turner and Amos. And to be honest, as much as I'm not super into the all-in thing all the time, pretty sure we don't get to where we are if not for all these pieces. Um, I've been critical of Billy Turner, but with David Bakhtiari going down, we'd be in a lot of trouble without him. Always been a big fan of Amos, and he has exceeded anybody and everybody's wildest expectations this year. I, to some degree, understand the uh, frustration with the Jordan Love pick and the A.J. Dillon pick, but at the same time, please don't interrupt me. That's very rude. Thank you so much. Probably couldn't even hear. I just sound like I'm talking to myself. It didn't even start yet. It was just vibrant. My phone was going off. It would be incorrect to say that they're not still trying very hard to go all in. I mean, just if anybody's available that might be able to help even a fraction, they're just grabbing them. I don't know exactly how much guys like Snacks Harrison and Jared Valdir are going to help. Right, my assum- I, I make all kinds of assumptions just in my head, you know, because I get excited as a fan about what's about to happen. Snacks Harrison's going to show up, he's going to play 50 snaps a game, and they're never going to gain a yard. And he plays like four snaps, and he's, a, yeah, he's okay. And we get, you know, we got Jared Valdir, and it's like, man, he's going to be playing, and it's going to be sweet. This may very well just be depth. I talked with JJ about it, and that's sort of what we feel is maybe the most rational because the fact of the matter is if we lose a tackle we might be done I mean we're getting into Aaron Rodgers has to come out territory you know I mentioned if Aaron Rodgers gets hurt the season is over and that's not really debatable 
it's not just Aaron Rodgers. There, there are other positions where if we lose this person, we could be in trouble. And um, for the most part, the Packers are pretty secure. If we lose Devontae, it feels like it's over, but we've seen the success. We've made it work. So wide receiver isn't really it. We know running back is If we lose a running back, we're fine. It's not good. I mean, none of these things are good, but, but the point is, is the season over? Um, as critical as I've been of Kenny Clark, I think if we lose him, that's pretty devastating, although Snacks does help. Again, you've got that sort of cushion. If Zedarius gets hurt, that that hurts us. But I don't think it's over. Again, Zadarius hasn't been having the greatest year ever. And I think Rashawn is, is not getting quite the amount of love he deserves. I mean, in other words, I think the three pass rushers are a little bit more even this year than in the past, whereas Zadarius was an absolute freak. Preston was decent, and Rashawn had a little bit of a ways to go. I think it's a little bit more even this year, especially now with Rashawn completely breaking out the last two weeks. I mean, if he's, if he's able to maintain that through the end of the season, he is our number one pass rusher. I think Jair is sort of a we're-in-a-lot-of-trouble guy. Not that we can't win. It's nowhere near the Aaron Rodgers thing, but it's just devastating from a standpoint of we really have to lean heavily on Mike Pettin and the scheme, and we have to rip out a ton of pages of that book because we can't. no matter who it is, we can't just put them on an island. And then the safeties are kind of similar. It's it's really just a matter of we lose a ton of talent, but it's not over. I mean, think about it. If Amos goes out and we have to find a replacement, our safeties are about as good as they were to start the season. But I think quarterback and tackle are those positions where you might be in, I don't know if we can do this territory. Now, I'm not telling you definitively that he's not playing. I'm just saying I I want you to brace for essentially what we've been dealing with all year, right? Here comes A.J. Dillon, except, no, everybody was hurt, so he's just going to be third again. Here comes Snacks. Yeah, we like Dean (laughs) on fourth and inches. Still can't get over that. Rashawn's playing so good, man. He's going to take over. Nah, it's still Preston and Zadarius. They very rarely just grab a guy and run with him. Right? Tavon Austin has had almost no impact on this offense. He's been relegated almost entirely to a special teamer, and he may have just lost that job. So um, in terms of you know, tempering your expectations, I, I don't know what your expectations were, but yes, you should temper them. Now, I, I, I'm not even saying anything bad about Valdir as a player at all. I'm just saying, I don't know that he even plays. This could potentially just be, he's here to be a backup, just in case. Now, there was one other thought that went through my head. When we did the live stream with uh, Coach Hahn uh, during the Ravens game, and I, I really, really, really encourage you to go over to Pack Daddy NFL and subscribe because we got something really cool lined up. The plan right now is on Thursday, Coach Hahn is going to be doing a live stream. And, and the reason we like doing the live streams is because it's interactive. He's not just teaching you things. You can ask him questions for clarification and everything else, and he'll go back and answer it. It makes it uh, – it's, it's basically what we did over Zoom, except it's, it's a live video that anybody from anybody in the, anywhere in the world can pop in and ask a question. So it just it's, – it's better. Also, I can monetize it if more than 15 people show up. But he's going to be covering the uh, the Rams' defense, I believe, on Thursday, or the offense on Thursday, because that's less interesting to everybody. And it's also similar to what the Packers do, which make it interesting, but also less interesting, because we kind of already have a halfway idea of what it is. Then on Friday, he's going to be doing a live stream of the defense, I mean, breaking it down. How does it work? What is the scheme? What 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 is it that they do fundamentally? 
And then Saturday is going to be the live stream during the game, kind of breaking down play by play. So again, you can watch the game and then have the stream up where he says, here's why that happened. And again, during that Ravens game, he basically predicted, hey, don't be getting too cocky because these Ravens are just, they're they're kind of just feeling you out and they're going to come real heavy in the second half. And that's what happened. So be good to kind of have that going just to make sure we have a full idea of what's going on. But anyways, the uh, one of the things he mentioned in that stream when he talked about the Packers and Aaron Donald for a little bit was how are they going to be using Aaron Donald? And essentially what he said is, you know, in other words, if, if he was the defensive coordinator and what he's seen them do is they just line Aaron Donald up against the weak link and just have him feast. And so you think, well, we well, what we can do is counter that and, and kind of shift our protections and do this, that, or the other. But but from his standpoint, what he says is they do a really good job of putting him in places to ensure that you have to use your weak link on Aaron Donald just by simply shifting position, right? Slide him a little bit over to the left, and now you can't do what it is you wanted to do. We force you to slide your protection in a different in, in a different way, different direction, so that basically, and, and what we're talking about here, the person we're talking about is Lucas Patrick has to be manned up against um, Aaron Donald. That is going to be the Rams' plan. Now, I know everybody said, well, it's going to be Corey Lindsley against Aaron Donald. Well, on occasion, I'm sure Corey's going to get his hands on him a couple times, and even that, you have to assume Corey's going to have his hand full. I'm sure he's going to lose once or twice, right? Everybody loses to Aaron Donald. He's one of the greatest football players of all time. That's not hyperbole. But, But Aaron Donald on... Lucas Patrick has the potential to be a disaster. Now, this is a little bit out there. It's a little bit kind of just, you know, a little, little crazy. But I, I wanted to float an idea out there. Is it possible that the Packers are so terrified of Aaron Donald that they went out and signed Jared Valdir? And the reason I pose the question isn't obviously because Jared Valdir is going to be playing right guard, but our right guard is essentially playing left tackle right now. Is it possible... Jared Valdir comes in, plays left tackle, and they put a guy that they love, Billy Turner, back at right guard, not because he can manhandle Aaron Donald, but because they at least feel like they can do the job of of trying to protect Aaron Rodgers at least a little bit. And it especially makes sense when you factor in, and I'm not saying they have bad edge rushers, but they're mediocre at best. This is a team that has, and I mentioned it, right, they got great corners. They've got by far the best corner group in the NFL. I mentioned they have like three top 20 corners on their team right now. And they have the best pass rusher in the NFL who happens to be an interior guy, but the rest of their team is kind of meh. The other defensive tackles, the linebackers, the guys off the edge. And I know they made a big impact last week against Seattle, so a lot of people saw that and probably thinking you're nuts. They're actually playing really well. I mean, they're, you know, Listen, the gap, whatever you want to say about those guys, the gap between Aaron Donald and those edge rushers, I think the edge rushers are to a point where you could say, you know what, Wagner and Valdir can handle them. We have to figure out how in the world we're going to stop Aaron Donald. Because if you think about it, that is, that is, that is job number one in this entire game. If they genuinely believe the difference between winning this game and losing this game is stopping Aaron Donald, I don't think it's too crazy to think that we need to put Billy Turner back on the interior. And again, I I don't think Billy Turner is the greatest in the world. But I know the Packers love him. And even I acknowledge he's better than Lucas Patrick. I don't know that it's crazy that our starting offensive line is Jared Valdir, Elton Jenkins, Corey Lindsley, Billy Turner, and Rick Wagner. Again, just for the standpoint of we need to get Lucas Patrick off the field for this game. Now, next week, and he even, listen, they even told us 
we're we're probably going to be seeing some shuffling of the offensive line depending on the opponent. Well, what is the biggest obstacle in this opponent? It's the interior. We have to fix it. What do we do? We sign a tackle, right? I'm just I'm just putting it together in my head. Now, again, I don't know if Valdir is going to be ready, if he's going to be able to play. I don't know why he wouldn't. He's been here before. He's in game shape. He just played. I don't I don't I don't know that it's that crazy. In fact, I I think it might make the most sense. Again, especially if they're just over the moon about Billy Turner, then I think it's kind of a no-brainer. Put the big old mountain in the middle. That's my thought. Um, and I, I think it, it really is just one of those two things. And it, I mean, technically it could be both, right? It gives you that flexibility so that if, if anybody goes down in that game, we're okay. If you put Billy Turner in and he gets hurt, what happens? Lucas Patrick comes in. If, uh, Rick Wagner gets hurt, Billy Turner goes outside, Lucas Patrick comes in. If Lindsley get hurt, gets hurt, Elton Jenkins slides to the center, uh, and then, I don't know, Lucas goes to left guard probably, and they'll probably just try to play keep away. <laughs> they'll just keep switching the guard. How funny would that be to see the guards switching before a play just because they want to see where Aaron Donald is? I don't think that's ever happened, nor would it happen, but man, would that be hilarious. Like, the play is getting ready to go, and the, the guards... Wait, what is the last moment when the guards... Because I know you can't move. Is it like when the center touches the... I don't know. I don't know what that rule is. Like, at, at what point are you, is it like, okay, you're lined up, you can't move now? I would love to see, like, a shift in cards. There's got to be some kind of a little little wrinkle in that. Like a batter stepping out of the batter's box, you know, kind of resets it. Other than a timeout, obviously. Because I know that you can just shift Donald then, but it would be funny if you just real quick switch him and then snap it. Playing keep away with our guards. Um, obviously the question popped up, well, how has he played these last couple weeks? Uh, because that's kind of important. Basically, he's exactly the guy that he has been since 2017. I asked you to please stop that. I, I'm actually getting an early start and there's a lot of alarms before four o'clock. So that's going to happen regularly. And no, I'm not turning them off because I will not remember to turn them back on and then I will oversleep for tomorrow. So I'm just going to have to ride this out, folks. But basically, um, he had several very good years from 2011 to 2016. Just very, very good. After that, he completely fell off. He fell off to being average. 62, 64, 64. This year, in 2020, he's at a 68. So, higher than normal, but still kind of in that like mid to high 60 range. For reference, he was like high 70s, 80s prior to this weird, steep drop-off. In terms of statistics against Jacksonville, he allowed zero sacks, one hit, one hurry, two total pressures. Against Buffalo, zero sacks, zero hits, four hurries, four total pressures. So in two games, one hit, five hurries, six pressures, that's actually very high. We didn't give up any sacks, which is great, but um, I mean, I do know Buffalo has a very good edge rusher off of the left side. Generally, that's where he lines up, so you can maybe excuse the four pressure. Jacksonville, I don't know what they had going on over there to get two pressures, but um, at the very least, I mean, he's a guy that can do his job. It is a little unfortunate to see six pressures in two games, but again, it just, it is what it is. Something else to keep in mind here, Billy Turner, when you look at his grades when he plays tackle compared to guard, he is infinitely better as a guard than he is as a tackle. His grade against Chicago was a 53. He had a 43 overall pass blocking grade. Well, that's Chicago. Oh, yeah. I mean, he primarily, primarily lines up over the right tackle, so that's kind of not really an excuse. Last time he played tackle before that was also against Chicago. He had a 38 pass blocking grade. That time he was a right tackle, went up against Khalil Mack and got stomped out. Uh, played that 
basically tackled the entire season. His his grades 69-56. He did have one good grade against San Francisco. Overall 60-69-58, 47-62. If you look at him at guard, especially his pass blocking grades, 82-78-77-87. He's been really good as a right guard, especially pass blocking. I mean, if we just look at his overall grades, remember he played tackle most of the year. If I just sort by his pass blocking grades, highest to lowest, his position was right guard, left tackle, right guard, right guard, right guard. Those are all, all those are all the snaps at guard. After that, it's left tackle, left tackle, right tackle, right tackle, right tackle, right tackle, left tackle, right tackle, right tackle, right tackle. So he's infinitely better at right guard, at least as far as his ability to pass block, although run blocking also seems to be quite a bit higher. Similar trend at run blocking, if you look at sort by run blocking and look at, okay, what position did he play? Right guard, left tackle, right tackle, right guard, right guard, right guard, right tackle, left tackle, left tackle, 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 all the way down. His worst games always are at tackle. So again, I don't hate the idea of putting him at a position where he's starting to thrive. He was not a good right tackle last year. He just wasn't. He's becoming a very good right, right guard. I mean, right guard is what I meant. He was not a good right guard last year. He's becoming a very good right guard, and we keep taking him from that and putting him at tackle. This is an opportunity to put him back at guard at a time in which we really needed. I, I just think this has to be what they're doing. It has to be. His worst pass blocking grade this season at right guard was a 77. He only had one grade pass blocking grade higher than a 77 at, at tackle. I mean, it, it's not even close. It's not even close. He's becoming a very good guard. He's a pretty bad tackle, period. Now, full caveat here, this is PFF's perspective. I'd hate to get Coach Hahn all riled up, but even he admitted it wasn't a great day for him against Chicago. I just, I don't know why, you, unless Jared Valdir just can't play, but again, he's played two weeks in a row. He's game ready. He's been with the Packers. He understands what the Packers expect. Is he going to be David Bakhtiari? Is he going to fully understand every nuance of this thing? Of course not. I don't care. Stand here and don't let that guy get over to this guy, because Billy's a little busy right now. It, I mean, it, it's almost painfully obvious to me that that's what's happening. If it's not, I don't know why in the world you wouldn't do that. You brought in Valdir to be a backup? No thanks. By the way, the, the, the guy that primarily comes off of the defensive right side, which would be the offensive left side, is by far their worst pass rusher. He has a 56 overall grade. Now, as a, I should say as a pass rusher, he's not the worst in the world, and there is a fairly heavy rotation, and he does go right to left and all that stuff, but he has a 56 overall grade. Terrible against the run. Leonard Floyd is the guy that you know that terrorized um, Seattle yesterday. He had seven pressures, two sacks, absolutely terrorized everybody. He's primarily going to be up against Wagner. That's where they like to keep him. He has 52 pressures on 524 attempts, which is what? Almost exactly 10%, which is mm, He has flashes, right? So he had seven pressures. Obviously, that's a big deal. Before that, two, three, two, four, two, one, zero. And then he had 11 against Seattle. He, has, he just has Seattle's number. He had 11 against... He had 18 pressures against, uh, against Seattle out of 52. One-third of all his pressures for the... More than a third of all his pressures for the entire season came in two games. He's played 17 games. That's wild. So I'm, I'm not saying Leonard Floyd is bad. And, and to be honest, he's a sack monster. He's got 13 sacks on the season, which is why everybody's going to say, you're an idiot, he's got so many sacks, because everybody's, they're always looking at the flashy numbers. He gets a lot of sacks, but it's kind of like Preston Smith last year. The pressures really aren't that great, but when he gets pressure, he's usually bringing your quarterback down. 
and that's a slight exaggeration. Obviously, it's less than 50%, but still, it's a high, per- a very high percentage. He's also had a sack, uh, let's see, three games straight. He had two sacks against Seattle, one against Arizona, three, two against... Oh, he's that's right, he's played Seattle three times. So he had two against Seattle. So he's had more... <laughs> add another three pressures and two sacks to Seattle to that list. 21 of 52 of his pressures have come against uh, Seattle. My goodness. Look at pressures and sacks not including Seattle, and it's far less impressive. Seriously, if we do that, it's two pressures, one sack, uh, two pressures, four pressures, one sack, two pressures, one pressure, zero pressure, zero sacks, one pressure, zero sack. I mean, it's just, it's not nearly as impressive. Again, not saying he's bad, but the point is, the pass rushers are mediocre, right? He has a 70 overall grade. He's definitely heating up as the season rolls on, but even this is something else to consider, much better pass rusher than run defender, which is kind of common among the Rams. So Leonard Floyd is their top guy primarily, and let's see how much exactly. He's almost exclusively going to be against Wagner, almost exclusively. 666, I suppose we'll add 169, so 835 of his 931 snaps have been off the left side. Slightly less than 100 times he's been off the left or the offensive left side. So he's so Floyd is against Wagner, period. And that is I believe let's I suppose let's look at these statistics here. Look for pressure. I mean Leonard Floyd is clearly their number 1 in terms of uh, snap counts. Justin Hollins would be the other one that gets rotated in or out. 11 pressures on 145 attempts. That's not good. Uh, Ibukam, who I mentioned, he does have 20 on 176, but again, somewhat of a small sample size and just an absolute putrid run defender. So on this cold weather day, if he's on the field, I think we just run right at him. I mean, seriously, especially since if you think about it, I'm sure, I mean, the Rams are smart enough, they'll they'll scheme this or whatever. I don't know, ask coach about it. But Aaron Donald is primarily going to be lined up on the right side of the offensive line. Leonard Floyd also to the far right side of the offensive line. If you're bringing in this tiny little guy up against this massive Jared Valdir and Elton Jenkins and Corey Lindsley on you know from the center to the left with freight train let's just say AJ Dillon because I feel like it because it's freezing cold weather up against a warm weather team that's a little bit banged up I just think we're gonna absolutely steamroll you uh Ogbinia Okoronkwo he does he's almost the exact same stats as uh Abocom. 20 pressures, one sack, small sample size, but it's, it is above 10%, I guess. Again, really bad against the run. Terrell Lewis, 11 pressures on 90, uh, 92 attempts, which is slightly above 10%. But again, he's just not on the field very much. So it's just, it's kind of a heavy rotation, probably depending on the situation. And this is your run defender right here, Terrell Lewis. 6'5", 252. And, and again, again, with the heavy rotation, you probably see, you know, if the Packers are running, you'll see Lewis and Floyd and Donald and, you know, some of the bigger guys out there. We'll see what happens with Donald. I, I would almost be tempted to run at him in this cold weather with, with the, the hurt ribs, to be honest, just to see how, how willing he is to come at somebody. Because Donald isn't that big of a dude. He's a very talented athlete, but he's not 315 pounds as a defensive tackle. He's 280. As far as defensive tackles go, that's that's tiny. It might be a big mistake, but it's worth a try. You know, just smack into him, see how it goes. Just just make him feel it a couple times. With those ribs, it might just cause a little bit of hesitation. I'm just saying, early. Just the first couple snaps. Even if we forfeit, you know, a couple snaps. Like, eh, well, this probably isn't going to go anywhere. I doubt we're going to block Aaron Donald out of the way. I want you to look him in the eyes and make contact. 
and 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 try to get low. Get those shoulder pads down low. I'm not saying you know break his rib. I'm not you know I'm not trying to be sadistic here. But part of the advantage of this cold weather is that it hurts. Yeah, it hurts. It's gonna hurt when we smack into you. And if you got if you got an injury and you're gonna come out and try to be a tough guy, okay, let's see how tough. That's all I'm saying. Let's see how tough. I tell you what else is gonna suck if Aaron Donald tries to. And, and this is this is something else Coach talked about. If they try batting passes automatically the hands go right for the ribs. This dude better not even try to get his hands up on a path. Beyond that, even these double team blocks, you've seen it before. How many times when you, especially when you got someone as important as Aaron Donald, obviously you're going to get double teams, but it's not always just two guys kind of like getting their hands up on a guy. It can be one-on-one and somebody else comes up and does what? Just blasts them from the side. Listen, Aaron Donald is a bully. I'm saying maybe we bully him a little bit. A couple shots when he's not looking. Smack right into him with, with, you know, Jamal Williams and A.J. Dillon. It's going to be 25 degrees. He's not going to like any of it. None of these guys are going to like it. But every single time the Rams play a team, Aaron Donald is the enforcer. He's the one that dictates to you. He's the one that bullies your team. Why not go on the offensive a little bit? As best you can. And by the way, in terms of, and I know he's, there's a big controversy about his run defensibility. Somebody said he wasn't very good at it, and even PFF got involved, and they're like, yes, he is quite good, actually. Um, he's had bad days. It's like either he's super elite or he just has really bad days, and I would love to know, and maybe Coach just absolutely disagrees, but if you're listening, put that in, in, you know, in the back of your mind. I'll give you a couple games if you haven't seen it and want to see at least what PFF saw, Seattle. Week 10, they gave him a 31 overall grade. Buffalo, week 3, a 49 overall grade. I'm just wondering if there's there's some potential issues occasionally with his ability to stop the run. I know one of the critiques is he's so good as a pass rusher, he gets straight up field and he kind of vacates any area of, you know, defense. Everybody completely dismissed that idea, but I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. Right now, though, PFF does have him as a 90 overall run defense grade and 93 pass rush grade, so they don't see a lot of weaknesses. But again, on occasion, he's been known to have bad days stopping the run. Again, 60 overall grade against the Giants, 62 against Tampa Bay, 63 against Arizona, 68 against New England, 64 against Seattle, 55 against Seattle. He never had a good day against Seattle stopping the run, never once, in terms of what PFF says in their grade. So I, I, I know... He's an absolute absolute freak as a pass rusher. I don't know that he's the greatest run defender of all time, even though he overall averages out as probably the number one run defending defensive tackle in football. Again, that's that's just a lot of really, really elite days mixed in with some pretty bad days. So that would be my one of my thoughts. Obviously, the number one goal is to take him out of the game, right? Quick passing and all that kind of stuff. But maybe we get him involved a little bit. Maybe we, get, maybe we show him a little bit of attention. You want the action? We'll give you the action. We'll bring it right to you, big guy. We'll see how bad you want the action. Again, that might be a suicide mission, but I'd try it out. And I, I'd, I'd task Billy Turner with that. Billy Turner and Corey Lindsley would be bullies all day long. These little crack blocks coming out of nowhere. I'm just going to bring Jamal down. Like, he's already blocked. Just go get him. Just, just hit him as hard as you can. I don't care if you start a fist fight with him. If we get two ejections, we lose Jamal and they lose Aaron Donald, that's a win. I mean, Jamal's not going to win the fight, but I mean, it's a win overall strategically in the football game. I'm serious, though. Just frustrate him. Don't let him dictate this whole game. Don't play scared of him. Constantly running away. Number one offense in football. Remember that? Number one offense versus number one defense, that whole thing? If this is the best offense in football, play like it. Don't be dictated to. It's nonsense. 
Anyways, them's my thoughts on Jared Valdir. I do have a couple thank yous. I forgot to say thank you, I believe, to Scott Muir, I think. Thank you very much for upping your pledge. Again, that is an option. I know some of you, you already support the podcast or whatever. You're like, I don't know, I don't know what to do. I already support them. I mean, you could, you could, I think you can even pick a, a value. I'm not positive, but I don't think you have to go from one to five. You can go from one to two, I think. If you can't, let me know, and I'm going to see if there's like a setting I can change or something. Because I know some of these jumps are like, eh, it's a little bit more of a jump I want to make. Um, anyways, also, thank you very much to Tyler Chalstrom. Thank you very much for your support on Patreon. I really, really do appreciate that. Again, if you want to support the podcast, um, first of all, you can feel free to reach out if, if things just are too... I've had a lot of people reach out, for example, and say, hey, can you just take my email and put it in the newsletter? I'm like, absolutely, man. I've, I've signed up probably... Probably everybody that's signed up for the newsletter in the last week has been me manually entering them. So that is an option. So anything you want or need, I can direct you personally if you want to reach out via DM. Otherwise, again, in the Facebook group, and maybe it's buried at this point, I'll have to do it again, there is a link, and that link takes you to a bunch of links for all the stuff. So I don't have to sit here on the podcast and say, don't forget this and 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 this. I mentioned we got this competition going where a bunch of guys that do stuff for me are trying to grow everything, and I think some of them get jaded. They're like, you mentioned that, but not mine. That's not fair. It's like, I know, I suck, I'm sorry. There's just so many things, and then everybody gets annoyed, because it's like, dude, I you spend 10 minutes going through all your garbage. I don't care. Speaking of, the highlight of the day, um, I want to bug you about Flick Chat again. I know I mentioned I kind of abandoned that, and I feel bad about it. I just, I have not been on here very much. I just jumped on here, guess what? They're giving away money! I, di- I didn't even know! I don't, I'm assuming they're going to do it next week, but seriously, they have, it's just, they, so FlickChat is a brand new thing. I think it's uh, bah, 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 one of the big gambling sites started, it's kind of like a Discord, I guess, but it's all sports related. So they've got the games, they've got the, the live, you know, as the game's happening, stats and all that kind of stuff. They've added like scores, they've added so much stuff in here. Um, and they're continuing to update it, but basically we got 301 people, all Packer fans, um... I got the Goose Man. If you're already in there, you know who he is. I added him to be like the guy that's in charge of it. He's doing a great job just making sure everything's up and updated and everything's going. But they added these little games, and there's all kinds of polls and stuff you can do for fun, but they have like 2000 bucks if you you just go through and click and, you know, who score, who wins the game, who scores the most points, who gets the most rushing yards. All the, Just answer those questions for all the games, and um, if you get it right, you, they're just giving away thousands of dollars. I di- again, I didn't even know that that was a thing, but I did it, and I was upset because I literally thought I won $2,000 because they were all green, and I'm going through, I'm like, dude, I picked all these, I picked all these. Turns out they were just showing me what the right answers were. I didn't fill anything out. That's why I didn't have any, like, red X's, like, oh, you got this one wrong. I was like, dude, I just won $2,000, what do I do? No, I just didn't fill that one out, and they're like, here's the right answers that you could have picked if you weren't a dummy. I was really impressed with some of my picks. I was like, dude. That was small. Why did I think of that? That must have been random. I can't believe I picked that. It's because I didn't. Um, but anyways, again, I don't think they have any up right now. I'm assuming they're going to put a bunch more. They had one for every single game. I'm guessing they're going to bring the other ones back up. But again, uh, make sure you get into the Flick Chat. It's always kind of a complicated thing because you have to actually download an app and people hate doing stuff. But it is very, very fun, very interactive. It's a fun little game day chat. They've got games. They got prizes. They got puzzles or not puzzles. What am I talking about? Um, up, 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 up. polls, <laughs> jigsaw puzzles you could do, Sudoku. Anyways, I don't know. But if you haven't done it, do that. Um, 
there are some links out there, but again, if it's just you don't feel like searching all over the place, just message me and be like, dude, just hook me up with that flick chat thing, and I'll I'll make sure that you get in there and get set up. With that, let's take a break. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So I've had, um, pouring through the questions a little bit, one of them is about the Rams' ability to run the ball. Uh, we've heard about Goff and his struggles. We know Cup is injured. We've got a decent idea of what makes the defense go. But what about the other facet of their game, their ability to run? And I think the general idea is that they're an extremely talented running team. Kind of depends what you're looking at. Right, if you look at, for example, DVOA, um, they have them fourth in the NFL. Now, if you've been listening a while, you know I'm kind of skeptical of DVOA. I'm not a big fan of it. I respect what they try to do. It's similar to a lot of the things that I do, but I feel like we're trying to reverse engineer things. Um, and, you know, for example, we're going to look at the stats. They do pretty much what I do when I do score predictions, right? I want to know not just what you did, but what you did in comparison to what has been done. So if you score 20 points, it's not just 20 points, it's 20 points against a specific team, and that team gives up, on average, a certain number of points. If you score 20 points against a team that usually gives up 28, that's garbage. If you score 20 points against a team that usually gives up 17, that's above average. So it depends, and I feel like that's largely what DVOA is. So when they look at the Rams and they say that they're the fourth best, they're looking at how well have you run in comparison to what those teams usually allow. Which is a fair starting point, but again, I don't know exactly what facet they're looking at. Uh, let me give you a further example of what I'm talking about. The Rams are the, th- let's see, they are 10th in the NFL in rushing yards, 10th in rushing touchdown, which is decent, right? It's not terrible at all, but they're 17th in yards per attempt because they run the ball kind of a lot. They're 7th in rushing attempts. 
So in terms of total yards, they're well above average. In terms of yards per attempt, every time they try it, they're kind of just mediocre. If you look at PFF, for example, um, a lot of times PFF and DVOA do kind of line up, but a lot of times they do not. If you sort by running, which again, PFF looks at the individual components of running the ball and grades them out. And I don't know if they are looking at, I don't think, no, they're not. They're, they're looking primarily at the running back. The running backs grade 17th. Run blocking, they have fourth. So again, there's kind of some similarity. So I guess if we stitch this together as best as we can, the offensive line is, is pretty talented in terms of their run blocking prowess. The running backs are mediocre to subpar. I mentioned how very few teams, this is why I was impressed with the Packers, very few teams have um, football players, offensive linemen, that are really good run blockers. The, uh, the Rams kind of have that in spades. Their uh, two tackles, haven't seen in Whitworth, are both in the 80s as run blockers. Uh, their guard, Austin Corbett, is a 75. Austin Bly, their center, is a 74. Even their biggest weak link as a run blocker is David Edwards, basically at a 70. So everybody up front does a very good job run blocking. Now, pass blocking is a completely different issue. They're not very good. Andrew Whitworth is a solid, pa- I mean, one of the best tackles, no question. Havenstein, the other tackle, is competent, but that's about it. And Havenstein, by the way, has given up five sacks on the season, 34 total pressures. That's not great. The rest of these guys are just, I mean, it's its bad. So again, just looking macro view at all the components, it's a team that can run the ball fairly well, largely because of the guys up front. And, and if you look at the, the three-headed monster they have in the backfield between Cam Akers, Daryl Henderson, and Malcolm Brown, they're all decent, right? I would say they're all kind of like Jamal's. They don't have an Aaron Jones on their team, but they got like three Jamal's if you were to just, not in terms of running style, but just in terms of general competency as a running back. They're all going to get the job done. They're all somewhere between 4 and 4.5 yards per carry. And I think, again, the larger point is they run the ball a lot. So when you look at their their yards rushing on offense, of course it's intimidating. 110, 118, 114, 186, 119, 126. I mean, they, they, they're they over 100 yards every single week. They had 37 against Tampa the week before, but that's the best probably run defense team in football. Don't really expect the Packers to do that. So, yeah, I mean, they're going to crack 100 yards running, no problem. They had 164 yards rushing against Seattle. But again, I, I think from... The defensive standpoint, I mean, the, the obvious answer from, from where I'm sitting is stop the run, force them to throw. But I also know that Mike Patton kind of likes that. I, I almost think he kind of likes Like, if they want that to be their game plan, I think he wants to let them. I'm not saying I'm let them get yards, but I don't think he necessarily wants to stack the box and force them to throw. Again, similar to the Bears, it's we're going to play our style of defense, and if you want to tr- choose to run four yards a carry down the field and try to make it, you know, 70 yards running primarily I mean go for it but eventually you're gonna have to pass and we're gonna stay in nickel and you're probably gonna struggle with that and you figure you run for four yards of carries enough for a first down unless you sprinkle in an incompletion suddenly it's not anymore right four yards and then an incomplete pass is what it's third and six and so I, I think from Petten's standpoint he doesn't mind that he doesn't mind playing those odds and again you throw in a snacks Harrison it's still gonna make it harder for them to run and it allows us to stay kind of light up front I think that that generally is his thought process. Again, it's it's sort of a it's a tactical maneuver. We're willing to give up certain things because in the long run we're trying to win the war, not the individual battles. Right? If we know you're going to run, the the obvious thing to win the battle, or if I should say, not know, we we can't know. But if we assume because you run the ball 70% of the time, which is a obviously an exaggeration, but let's say in this situation, 
the easiest thing to do would be to just load up the box and say, we're not going to let you do that. I don't know that he's going to do that. And beyond that, one of the more lethal things with a team that likes to run a lot is play action. Remember Tennessee, that was their whole big thing. Great run blockers, terrible pass blockers. They kill you with play action. Very similar style of team, except for the fact that Tennessee was actually very good, uh, whereas the Rams are not. But it's a similar philosophy. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, kill you with play action. But the, the Packers just aren't going to bite on it. They're never going to get to that point where they're like, all right, got to load up the box now, and then they kill us with play. No. No, we're going to hang back. You want to run? Okay, you're going to run again? All right. Best of luck to you, Chief. Let's see you do that for 80 yards. Best of luck. And what is the end result? Very rarely, even with really good teams like Tennessee, can they do that? Can they execute all the way down the field? Yeah, they got a first down, and then they get another one, and then they get another one. And we're watching at home going, oh, these stupid Packers, they suck. But then they get to about the 50-yard line, and they have that one bad incompletion, and instead of running for four, they run for two, and then it's third and eight, and we get a sack, and then they got a punt. Right? Fail, 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 fail. Get that one win, and it was a the whole drive is a failure because it's not about winning the battle; it's about winning the war. I know you're going to get some for. I mean, if we get a three and out, cool. It's not like we're not trying to, but the odds of you playing this style of football and getting what six or seven first downs and then punching it in the end zone, not super high, especially with again an offense that's just not that good. So I, I tend to think that's the thought process. And again, snacks helps that to a degree. Because it allows us to play a little bit lighter, but still have a guy up front that's going to be hard to run against. So you look at it and you say, well, it's a light box we should run, but Snacks kind of tips that advantage. So it's like, I don't know, it kind of sucks to run a little bit too. Numerically speaking, you'll want to run. Personnel-wise, it's not the best. Now, whether or not they put Snacks in, I don't know, but that's sort of my thought process. And again, even if they don't, okay, they're putting a guy in there they assume is a better pass rusher, so that that one time they do decide to throw the ball there's a better chance that, that that pass is incomplete because that's that's our time, right? We're getting you out of your phase. Now we got to do our job. That's when Jair and King and Savage and Amos, they got to step up and prove to them, ha, see, this is why we do that. So that that one time that they do pass, it's like, man, I really, I, I wish I could just never pass, <laughs> but I can't do that. It, it kind of reminds me of that, uh, I don't remember what game it was. I think it was, it was Titans-Ravens. And I think the Ravens, I mean, they had like nine guys in the box. I'm not even kidding. And they ran. Why? Because we're a running team, and they're saying we're never going to let you run. And it's like, we can't never run. I came into this game saying we're going to run 30 times, and they got nine guys in the box. Not that we can't throw, but we can't not run Derrick Henry this whole game. So they, they ran him into a wall. They just ran him for a yard and a half. Kind of the same philosophy. They don't want to throw. The, they don't want to drop back and just throw the ball. But they can't just run forever. So, I mean, just I'm just kind of basing that on what we've seen Mike Pettin do so far. In these situations where it seems painfully obvious we should just load up the box because that's the only thing they do well, I think Pettin just trusts his guys. He trusts the process. He knows that they're not going to win a game doing that all the way down the field. They're just not. Not this. I mean, if Tennessee couldn't do it, the Rams can't do it. The bigger obstacle then is going to be the offense has to find a way to score points. The offense has to find a way to overcome this defense because, I mean, if you look at, at you know, I, I talked about their abilities on offense uh, running the ball and whatnot. This team is third in yards per attempt rushing, number one in yards per attempt passing. They're the number one team against the pass, number three against the run. And I know this changes over the course of the, the season or whatever, and I could do the homework to find out, okay, they're not number one, they're number six, or they're number seven now or whatever. Point is, they're good at it, and, and the Packers have to find a way to manipulate the team. They have to find a way to scheme guys open. They have to find a way to manipulate the uh, the defense. And, and it is able to be manipulated to some degree. 
It's one of the benefits of being a team that has so many different weapons. I mean, if you're one-dimensional, it's almost impossible to beat the Rams. If you can, I mean, if you're a team that just, I mean, if the Rams played the Rams, they'd get annihilated <laughs> because they, what are they going to do? They can't throw against this. There's no way, but the Packers do have, but, but again, it's going to come down to execution. We've got the personnel. We've got the scheme, right? We, we, we got the X's and O's to be able to make this thing work. It comes down to execution. Can we pull it off? Right? We, we got speed guys. We got size. We can attack the linebackers with the tight ends. We have the guys if they can step up and play some good football. If Aaron Rodgers is thrown to the right guy at the right time, good passes, Devontae can win. Is he going to just be able to carve up Jalen Ramsey like you know he has everybody else basically at will? No. And that's kind of another thing. He's not going to be able to just carry this. Is he going to get open on occasion? Of course he is. Same with, with you know, if it's Aaron Donald against Corey Lindsley. I mean, there's going to be times Corey Lindsley wins. There's going to be times Aaron Donald wins. Nobody dominates that every single time. But in there have been games in the past where nobody else is really stepping up, and we just lean on Devontae like, look, it's it's just let's just keep throwing at Devontae 24-7, and he just keeps getting open, getting open, getting open. I don't think that can happen in this game. Jalen Ramsey's not going to allow that. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's going to be a good game. And it's going to be a frustrating game. It's probably going to be frustrating for us to watch because, again, Patton is, is playing the long game, so we're going to see them get first downs, and we may not get first downs. And we're going to analyze that and say they're a better team than us right now. They got four first downs and uh, 72 yards and a field goal, and we went three and out twice. We're doomed, right? Well, you know, yes and no. The point is the defense is doing essentially what they want to do. It's really just, it's, it's a matter of, is this offense going to figure it out? If they do, then they blow this thing wide open. They're going to pass the Rams score. They're going to keep coasting, and it's over. If they don't, then yeah, they're, you know, we're not going to score points, and they're going to dink and dunk their way down to nine points with three field goals, and we're going to lose nine to zero, right? I mean, it's, but, but again, you got to be patient because it's going to be a frustrating game. It's, you know, it's always frustrating when you have the number one offense and what you're used to seeing, especially with a good football team, is domination of a defense, right? They move the ball at will. That may not happen. It might. We've said in the past, oh, I don't know, it's going to be a tough one, and they just steamroll the Titans like they don't even exist. I think the bottom line is both teams are worthy of respect. That's that's the bottom line. I mean, the, the, to expect them to steamroll the, the Rams is silly. That's It's not going to happen. Now, is, uh, is the Rams' defense maybe a little bit overblown? Yeah, I think so. I think that, you know, the 2018 Bears were better. I don't think this is the Legion of Boom level, but it is the number one defense in football, probably. I think you could put Tampa in the conversation, unfortunately a couple other teams. By the way, the Packers are probably in that conversation based on recent history, but I don't, I, you know, the Packers cannot be discounted. 35 to 16 against the Bears, 40 to 14 against the Tennessee Titans. That's how they come into this. They come into this as, as basically like the Bills. They are the hottest team in football, probably in the NFC. Just, I mean, you know, again, Tampa, you can put in that conversation. The Rams are not in that conversation, by the way. If you look at, you know, teams that are really ascending offensively and defensively, there's a handful of teams. The Rams are not one of them. I think the Saints, Tampa, the Packers, the Bills, not really sure who else you'd put in that conversation. Maybe the Ravens. I haven't really looked at their stuff. But, I mean, that that, that really is, as, as boring as that sounds, that really is the, the bottom line. Anybody that's overly scared is not properly respecting this team that is playing some of the most dominant football in a very long time. Some unbelievably dominant football. But, I mean, again, all I can say is, is be patient. Trust Matt LaFleur and these guys to take some time. The The Rams are going to come out real hot. I mean, they're going to be fresh. They're going to be fast. They're going to be violent. It's going to be tough. Maybe they do what they do. Maybe the Packers do what they do. They do really well on that first drive. Maybe they orchestrate a drive down the field and score a touchdown. That's great. But um, 
this is going to be a frustrating defense, and it's going to be a frustrating game, and if they're able to run up the score, that's that's awesome, but they may not be able to. fact of the matter is the cold weather works against the Packers, too. Overall, it works in, in the Packers' favor, but in terms of your ability to play fast and loose and all that kind of stuff, it, it's, it just generally is going to drag the score down. And I do hope they use the, the cold weather to their advantage. I hope they play a game very similar to what they did against Tennessee, and that is to just out-physical this team. Again, what I said about Aaron Donald and, and take it to him, that's essentially exactly what they did against Tennessee. Tennessee came in, we're bigger, we're stronger, we're going to just we're, we're gonna smash you right in the mouth in your own house. And Matt LaFleur and Mike Patton looked him right in the face and said, no, you're not. And we, we basically just out-muscled them. We pushed them around. Tennessee is a big physical team. The Rams really aren't. I mean, they're they're kind of built that way in a sense. But, I mean, again, you look at their defensive line. This is not a big group of guys. Aaron Donald is a small defensive tackle. Their edge rushers are kind of smaller outside linebackers. Their inside linebackers are smaller kind of inside linebackers. Packers offensive line has been getting real good at run blocking, especially when you talk about Billy Turner on the interior. He's been, a, he's been a madman run blocking on the inside. Corey Lindsley is a phenomenal run blocker. Elton Jenkins is doing a great job run blocking. Rick Wagner is doing a good job as a run blocker. You want to know what I'd like to see happen? Run the ball. Because the fact of the matter is the Packers are better at running the ball than the Rams are. Well, they're 8th in yards compared to 7th in yard for the Rams. Yeah, but they're 7th in yards per attempt. On a per attempt basis, the Packers are better. They also have much better running back. They've got a much better athlete and overall running back in Aaron Jones. He's a better receiver. He's a better runner. You've also got much more physical running backs. A.J. Dillon and Jamal Williams will absolutely destroy you. So, I mean, the the other benefit, I mean, when you consider what the defense is doing and their style of play, I don't see a reason for the Packers to come out and just start slinging it. Again, the the DBs in in L.A., everybody focuses on Aaron Donald, and, and rightly so. Again, one of the best football players of all time. But the DBs are really suffocating, right? And so I almost look at this the same way and say, especially with our defense playing their style, which is kind of a slow bleed. But the problem with that is it keeps their offense on the field and it kind of tires out our defense. We got to balance that out a little bit. We got to stay on the field, get some positive yards, go get the four yards yourself, go get some yards running the ball, get some easy completions, move the sticks and keep their defense on the field as long as possible as well. I think it's our biggest advantage is running against their defense as opposed to trying to throw against their defense. And it also, again, it, it makes sure that we're not playing like a, a, you know, a dragster while they're kind of slow rolling the offense. I mean, it works fine if we get their offense off the field right away. But I just don't want to see a situation where they're dominating time of possession and then the second half, second half our defense is gassed and they're, they're ready to go because we, we're either three and out or we just power our way down and get a touchdown in about seven plays. But, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still relatively confident. I know it's a good defense. It does worry me because games in which things fall apart are kind of like the games like Tampa, right, where the defense is just so suffocating. That defensive line is swarming. They're constantly bringing pressure. We can't get the ball out in time. We can't get into a rhythm. We can't seem to get anything going. And this has the potential to be that. But, again, I think if the, if the Packers play their style in their house with 10,000 screaming, roaring fans, and if you happen to be one of those people, I don't care how uncomfortable it is. You're never going to see these people again. Scream as loud as you possibly can. I promise you you're helping this game. It's not even so much that they can't hear themselves in their headset. I doubt you're going to get that loud. It's about getting this defense revved up. I'm talking jumping up and down. I'm talking about sneaking up, up, up. 
pot, a pan, right? One that you don't like anymore. The, the nonstick doesn't work. It's garbage. This thing sucks. Constantly got to spray it down, and I paid for it to be nonstick, and it sticks anyways. Bring that one. It's garbage. You can pick up a new one on the way home, sneak it into the stadium, and bang it against the seats. Not saying you won't get kicked out. I'm just saying it's worth a shot. And try not to dent up the, the seats too much. I, I don't know. Come up with your own plan. That was a stupid plan. Think of a different plan. It's the problem with there being not many people there. They cannot, you know, security's just looking right at you. Like, dude, I, I can clearly, I can clearly see you right now. <laughs> Trying to be all sneaky with a laser pointer. Like, you can't see me. It'd be crazy having a 10,000 people. You could be like way up in the stands and yell down to the players and they can clearly hear your voice. Hey, Rogers! Anyways, getting sidetracked. Um... Yes, please, please be very loud because we need all the elements working in our favor. And to be completely honest, I, I think this is a, again, a statement game similar to Tennessee. I mean, this this was a game coming in like, well, you know, the Packers aren't there good, that good. They're frauds. They beat what the Panthers and the Lions and the Eagles and the Bears. Whoop de doo, right? They lost to the Colts, which is a the only halfway competent team, and they lost to them. Before that, they beat the Jaguars and the 49ers. Those aren't playoff teams. They lost to the Vikings. You know, that's the narrative. And then Tennessee rolls into town in our house, freezing cold, snowy weather, 40 to 14. Now wasn't supposed to happen. There's no script on earth in which that happened. But it did. The Packers just rose to the occasion. So we're going to show you that this is legit, that this is real. And then, again, the very next week, Chicago Bears defense is stout. It's in Chicago. You know, there's reasonable fear, right? Reasonable. 35-16. And, again, don't, don't undercount how good this defense has been. They have not allowed a team to get to 20 points in three weeks. And basically, the only team to get to 30 points was the Colts, and that was the uh, since Tampa Bay. And again, that was the special teams just disaster, and the offense was not helping us out that much either. So, I mean, the the defense is playing great football. I trust their ability to to take out this offense that has been terrible. I know they scored 30 against Seattle, but that was kind of just garbage. I mean, that that whole game, nobody was able to move the ball at all. Um, against Arizona, they won, scoring 18 points. Before that, against Seattle, they scored nine. Before that, against the Jets, they lost, scoring only 20 points. They beat New England, only scoring 24 points. I mean, it's just, it's kind of ugly, right? So, again, the, the biggest thing for me, uh, not to say that maybe our defense won't play a great Bottom line, if they don't come out and play a good game, then they don't play a good game and we don't win and that's the end of it. But assuming the Packers come out and play good football, it really is just this offense needs to find a rhythm against the defense. That's it. That's it. Just don't get shut down. Don't get frustrated. Don't give up. If you, if you go two, three and outs, don't start shaking your head and throwing your hands up and saying, I don't know what to do and pouting and all that nonsense. Keep coming at them. You got to be mentally tough for this game. There's no pouting allowed, or we're not going to win. So, anyways, that's it. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a fantastic day. Thanks for the questions. I will continue looking at them and, and continue pouring through them. Obviously, there were a lot more, but uh, otherwise, I will catch you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye bye. <laughs>